Yeah, so Jen, we put up a discussion thread this week on Practically.Fit about yes, best and worst fitness gifts. And did you see the response we got? Yeah, like really resounding response of zero. Yeah, so, so <laughs> folks, we're going to do that episode next week. So if you if you have either best or worst fitness gifts, head out to Practically.Fit. If you have not signed up for the newsletter, you can subscribe there, but there's a discussion thread. And I might go ahead and turn on the Substack chat as well. So if you have the Substack app, you could do that. But Yeah, let's we, get the discussion going. I know there are some bad fitness gifts out there. There have to be. I've gotten some. I've given some. So it's going to be a really good episode regardless. Yeah, so go out to practically.fit and uh, register for the newsletter and go out and, and tell us in that discussion thread that's out there on the site right now what your best or worst or both best and worst fitness gifts were. <laughs> Welcome to Practically Fit, Real Fitness Over 40. I'm Alex Johnson. And I'm Jen Chamberlain. And today we're going to talk about rest. What happens if you don't rest? How much rest do you actually need? And what does rest actually mean? Okay, I have to interject here for just a minute, Alex, because I think it's highly ironic, and yes, ironic, because I know something that the listeners don't, that we're talking about rest this week when you're in the middle of a running streak, are you not? That That's right. <laughs> that's, that's actually <laughs> what made me think about this topic, because I'm today was day 11, I believe, on the run streak. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, so uh, I'm starting to feel it. You know, I had the had the broken leg. So but I did I did make some progress with my mobility in the leg this week doing some mobility tricks from the guru Kelly Starrett out on YouTube. If you don't know who I'm talking about looking, look him up. We'll have to do a podcast sometime on mobility. Oh, yeah. But he's sure. got all these like mobility hacks. And it's amazing and it involves a lot of pain in lacrosse balls. But uh, yeah, I'm on I'm on day 11 of the run streak. It's got to go all the way through uh, New Year's Day. So this is the runner's wow. world running streak. Yeah. So it starts from Thanksgiving Day through to New Year's. So far, so good. And the good thing about this one is the the minimum you need to do a day is one mile, which I actually thought was like a good way for me to get back in shape with the running. True. Uh, with my leg, I could do a bike ride after that or weights because it's not, uh, you know, an intense run. So yeah, uh, that that's that's really what made me think of this topic was that the fact that I was like five days into this last week in my life. <laughs> I think I think you're going to need some rest by the end of this run streak. That's just yeah. my guess. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about rest. It's an interesting topic. There's a ton of research and great articles out there on rest, and it's almost hard to know where to start. So I thought a great place for us to start then would be what happens if you don't rest? What happens if you overtrain? And overtraining is something, Jen, that I think we've both been guilty of. Uh, so uh, yes, guilty I, as charged. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to have a, a conversation about overtraining to start. This is, this is something that could you know, actually lead to you getting injured. And there, there's a lot of science around it these days. And like you said, you and I have had personal experience with it. So let's talk about that science. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've definitely had some personal experiences with overtraining, particularly I think when I first started um, getting serious about half marathoning and marathoning, you know, just doing a ton of running without um, enough rest. But um, before we get into our personal experiences, let's talk, like you said, about the science. So we've done lots of research on this, and it is fascinating. So let's start with what could happen if 
you take it to the extreme overtraining syndrome. Yes, it is a syndrome. So according to a 2014 study, overtraining syndrome in the athlete, I always love the scientific names of these studies, by the way. They're, <laughs> yeah. just, they're so dry. You know? Well, at, at least that one, you know what it means, unlike true. some of the other That's ones true. we've quoted, right? So according to this 2014 study, overreaching and overtraining can lead to something called overtraining syndrome. Overtraining syndrome is defined as an accumulation of stress due to training and additional life stressors that results in long-term performance decrement that may or may not be accompanied by psychological and physiological signs and symptoms. Up to 64% of elite athletes may experience this syndrome, according to the research, and it can lead to career-ending injuries, which that's the really scary part for me. So overtraining syndrome is the extreme end of overtraining. But how do we know if we're headed in that direction? What are the symptoms? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so we talk about overtraining syndrome. For us, you know, maybe we're overreaching or overtraining. Neither of us has ever experienced this overtraining syndrome. But right. But there's elements of these symptoms that you might have experienced if you're overtraining. And certainly you don't want to head down the path towards overtraining syndrome. So mm -hmm. there was a, a survey done in 2020 in the International Journal of Sports Physiology and Performance where they tried to hone in on what symptoms of overtraining might be. So they did this big sample of athletes internationally that are competing in resistance training. So strength training, weight training. Um, about 71% of the people in the survey said they had previously had an unexplained decrease in performance with the majority, the respondents saying it lasted from one week to one month. So the subtext of this study is that this underperformance was related to overtraining. Common symptoms that people noted during these periods of underperformance included general fatigue, muscle aches, and pains. Um, and this is really fascinating. So when you think about overtraining, think about this. Many people responding to the survey also may have had other life stressors during their times of overperformance, underperformance, excuse me, which suggests stress can play a role in overtraining. That is so fascinating to me. And I just have to interject for a moment because um, I feel like I experienced this somewhat during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, everything was shut down. There was not a lot of activities you could do. So I started exercising like a maniac, to be honest, you know, just going out and running every day, doing weight training, just doing anything, quite honestly, to kind of get out of my head. And I started having some of these um, signs of feeling just sore and tired. But I think it was also the life stressor at the time, right? Not just the overtraining, but also what else was going on in my life. Yeah. And I, and I think there's times too, where I think you and I may have overtrained, you know, even before the pandemic, before you moved to San Francisco, when we would do, you know, running and then we do crazy kettlebell, <laughs> kettlebell oh, yeah. Tabata workouts. And, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, the box jumping where I injure myself, which I talked about previously. Uh, at one point I was experimenting with lifting weights every day, which, okay. You know, I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about a run streak right now, but this is even worse. It's, it's, there's a concept oh, wow. called greasing the groove when it comes to string training. And okay. so I would squat, I would do barbell squats every day. There was a period where I, where I was doing this. Wow. So, so yeah, okay. yeah, there's, there's, there can be some, some dangers here. So let's talk about another study. And this has one of your favorite, uh, fun titles, oh, yeah. body composition, metabolism, sleep, 
psychological and eating patterns of overtraining syndrome. Again, at least you know what they're talking about. Sure. It's, it's not it's not super jargony. It's just a very long title. So this this study compared athletes that have overtraining syndrome with healthy athletes uh, and also a healthy, not physically active group. So there were three groups that they looked at. So this, the findings were striking. Compared to the healthy athletes, the athletes with overtraining syndrome weren't sleeping well, had lowered libido, wah, wah, lower, <laughs> lower calorie protein and carb intakes, decreased mood states, a decreased basal metabolic rate, which what is that? Mm. That's your resting calorie burn, how many oh, calories you're burning good. when you're just resting, and fat burning rates, mm-hmm. increased body fat, decreased muscle mass, decreased hydration, and they actually even had worse fatigue and vigor. And I'm not sure how you measure vigor, but they did. <laughs> yeah, their, their vigor was lower than the non-active healthy control group. Oh, wow. So the people who didn't exercise very much, but who were still considered healthy. So overtraining can actually make you, uh, put you in a worse state than if you're not even working out, if you're just kind of healthy, but not very active. The research deduces that uh, reduced calorie intake, worsened sleep, and increased cognitive activity, which is stress, are likely the drivers of overtraining syndrome. Again, getting back to that fact about other things going on in people's Mm -hmm. lives. And that overtraining syndrome appears to induce the dehydration, the increased body fat, the decreased libido, and the worsened mood. Wow. So... so, (laughs) These are things that could happen if you went down the road of overtraining syndrome. And we're not suggesting that anyone listening to the podcast will go that far, but you could have elements of this if you're overtraining. So now that we've officially uh, scared our listeners about overtraining, Jen, you talked about it a little bit before. Are there any other times where you felt like you were overtraining or ever had an experience that you would go so far to say would have reached into this overtraining syndrome? I don't think I've, you know, reached into the overtraining syndrome level. But then again, I'm also not an elite athlete. But that said, I definitely have had experience with overtraining. Interestingly enough, this week, I think, has been one of those kind of weeks. I've really stretched myself to try to work out six days a week. And I just realized, like, I just went for a run before we recorded today. And uh, I just feel really tired. And my performance is not where I think it usually would be. And I feel like maybe for me right now, six days of hard exercise a week, it might just be too much. You know, maybe I need to mix it up with some yoga or something a little bit more low intensity, um, a little bit more active recovery, which we'll talk about later. But um, but so, yeah, definitely I've had this experience, particularly, you know, when I get in this sort of obsessive marathon training uh, zone, which I've tended to fall into periods of time in my life. So there's actually a great article in Runner's World that talks about the mental and physical benefits of rest, specifically for runners. So this is kind of, we've talked about the negative, what can happen if you overtrain. This is kind of the good that can come out of rest. So it allows your muscles to bounce back, number one. And, you know, the interesting thing is that the way exercise actually works, and this has always been strange to me, is by tearing your muscles down a little bit. So they're called micro tears that creates these small tears in your muscle tissue, which your body then rebuilds stronger. But in order for that to happen, you need rest, right? That's how the whole process works. It can help you avoid stress fractures. Always a good thing when you're a runner to avoid those. It protects tight tendons. Also, you know, really big issue for runners. And it gives your brain a break. And I thought that was the most interesting to me is that You know, we've talked about all the great mental health benefits that can come from fitness, 
But sometimes you also need a break. You know, you need to, I think that's, life is about balance, right? And so sometimes your brain needs to focus on something other than physical activity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk more about what rest actually looks like in a bit. Um, So for me personally, I don't think I've ever hit the level of overtraining syndrome, but I've definitely overreached and overtrained. And so there are common signs that you'll experience if you're overreaching or overtraining. We talked a bit about what could come from overtraining syndrome, Mm -hmm. but these are some signs that if you're feeling, you probably need a rest, according to the American Council on Exercise. They include not being able to finish your normal training routine. And Mm. I know you've done this a few times with runs where you say, I just don't feel like I can run to the pace I'm wanting to or the distance. So... That's, that's a sign. Uh, we've all been there being painfully sore. So there's a difference here between sore and painfully sore. Sore is just a normal muscle soreness after a workout. If you do, you know, strength training, a new exercise that you haven't done. There was one I did a few weeks ago. I hadn't done a long time, which was like these forward, um, dumbbell, uh, raises where you, you have an underhand grip. It works your chest. I hadn't done it in forever. And I felt soreness, right? So that's normal. Mm -hmm. But if you have intense soreness or discomfort, not just tired muscles or little twinges uh, in your muscles, that's that's a sign of overtraining. If you feel fatigued and sluggish all day after you work out, Mm. that's also a sign. You should feel energized generally, right? If you have a good workout um, in the morning or or whatever. You know, I'm pretty... If I do one in the evening, I generally rest really well, but I always, mm-hmm. I always feel pretty energized after a workout. You feel the endorphins. Oh, yeah. If you feel fatigued and sluggish, then that's not a good sign. Uh, another one that I've noticed, uh, if you're overeating or binge eating, <laughs> that can be a sign. And I, I think I've been guilty of that when I got you know really obsessed with cycling and I was doing these long distances all the time and, um, it's still not to the level of what some people do, but maybe I would cycle three, four days in a row sometimes, maybe mm-hmm. even five. Uh, and then I would find myself just eating in the evenings. I'd eat my <laughs> dinner and I'd still feel hungry and then I'd eat some chips and then I'd eat another snack. Uh, so that can be a sign of overtraining, insomnia, depression, mood changes, irritability. Uh, you stop getting results in your workouts. Mm-hmm. That can be a sign of overtraining. You're sick and or injured a lot. If you're getting repeated injuries after working out, you definitely need rest. And then if I thought this one was really interesting, I thought we could talk about this. Fitness comes before everything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that would be like, and and I, to be clear, this is not something I've done. I'm just using an example (laughs) of what it could be like. I have a kid. If I was just saying I need to go work out instead of doing something critical for my child or taking care of him or giving him something that he needs, that, that could be a sign of overtraining. Um, Jen, is that one? Have you ever done? I know in the past there have been times where I might've put fitness before something really important. And it's because I just had it in my mind, like, I have to get this done. I have to meet my goal. I have to ride a certain amount of miles. I have to run a certain amount this week. I have to push to a new PR and a lift. Has, has that ever happened with you? You put it ahead of other things. Absolutely. I, you know, I actually wrote a newsletter, newsletter post about this, um, 
in terms of my relationship with running again, but I've definitely had times where I've gotten sort of obsessed with fitness to the point where I put aside things that are really more important in life, like spending time with my family. Um, in the newsletter post I wrote about being in Colorado and spending some time with my sisters and my nephew there and realizing that um, I was really putting fitness and exercise and, you know, long runs ahead of that time that's just so precious and you don't get back, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one we both experienced, and I've really gotten a lot better about that in the past couple of years. Uh, those are those are some relatable signs of overtraining. So if you're experiencing those, it's time for a rest. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about rest. Jen, how much rest do we actually need? I, I feel like sometimes people are looking for a magic formula. So is there one? How much do it's we need? It's true. It's true. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not a magic formula. There's a lot of different viewpoints on this. And some of it depends on what you're doing. So if you're doing strength training only, or are you running and cycling only, or do you do a combination of them all? Based on the research that's out there, there's not there's not one number for all of us, unfortunately. There's not a formula that we can look to. Um, actually, the recommendations are kind of all over the place. But um, this article in Runner's World that I mentioned concludes with this quote, which I thought was pretty, you know, pretty spot on. The body needs a minimum of 36 to 48 hours to reboot. Without it, the body has no opportunity to rebuild and strengthen muscles. They just continue to break down. And that negates the, all the hard work you put in. So that's for running specifically. And I want to say, too, that rest doesn't have to be just sitting on the couch, you know, (laughs) that you there's this concept of active recovery that you hear a lot in running circles. And I'm sure other fitness, too, which is resting through doing lighter activity. So walking or doing some light stretching or doing some yoga, that's still letting your muscles rest, even though you're still getting some activity. But based on what we saw at the minimum, you'd want to have at least one rest day per week, which I tried that this week, and I think I might need more than one. (laughs) But, you know, if you're combining strength training and cardio, this could be accomplished by creating a workout schedule and alternating between your cardio and your strength. So you could work out six days and rest one. That's just one example. There's other ways to kind of mix it up. What about you, Alex? How do you mix in rest and working out? Yeah, again, something I've gotten better about. I agree with the sentiment you need at least one rest day per week, but but what does that look like? Um, right. For me, I can I can I like to sometimes do a couple of different workouts on a day, mm-hmm. which allows me to sneak in an extra day of rest here or there. So I'll give you an example. Um, I like, you know, we, you know, I love cycling. Obviously I've talked a lot about about it on the podcast. So to me, if I do a a bike ride on the road where I go out and I do a reasonable amount of climbing, say, you know, whether it's 500 feet, a thousand feet, I'm in Texas. So there's not a lot of Hills in North Texas. Uh, but if I can get a good amount of climbing and go up some pretty big Hills or as big as they are around here, I feel like I've gotten a pretty good lower body workout. My legs feel very, very work, uh, very much like they've been challenged. So then if I pair that with an upper body strength workout, I feel like I've had a total body workout on that day, but I've also done both cardio and weight training. So mm-hmm. that can kind of help you sneak in uh, a day here or there. You could pair running with with an upper body strength workout, for example. So there's different right. strategies there. But I think a really important concept here is listening to your body. So Mm -hmm. if you're having that intense soreness in your muscles or joints, 
it's definitely time for a rest, um, especially if you're feeling like a nagging ache or pain in a specific muscle or like your knee or your arm. It's time for a rest. So let's right. talk. Let's wrap this up by what what we mean when we say rest. You kind of brought this up a moment ago. Rest mm-hmm. isn't necessarily just lounging around <laughs> and doing nothing active. Uh, it could be that. It could be that you sit around and you know, sit on the couch, watch a movie, you read, you do something like that, which, which, you know, is good mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in looking at the research that's out there, the prevailing wisdom these days is that you still have some form of active rest on right. a rest day. So you mentioned it a bit earlier, talk a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, ac- actually, if you do really intense exercise, resting in the form of just uh, being stationary can be actually pretty bad for your muscles because they tend to tighten up. And um, so you want to keep moving to kind of work some of that soreness, some of the lactic acid out. So that's what, you know, that's what we're talking about when we talk about active rest is, you know, doing some walking or some light stretching or um, getting a massage. That's a great way to kind of get blood flow to your muscles. Swimming, that's what I always forget about. If you have access to a pool, such a great uh, alternate exercise because it's not weight bearing. So it takes some of the pressure off of your joints, but you're still getting some activity. I mean, it, swimming can be very intense, actually. It's just a completely different kind of exercise than some of the more typical cardio that people do. So there's all kinds of ways to give your body that break, give your mind a little bit of a mental break, and still be relatively active. Yeah, I I, did, I thought it was interesting that swimming's mentioned a lot as um, active rest. For me, that is not active rest. I could, I guess, if you were good at it, maybe it is. But I'm a terrible swimmer, and uh, my heart rate seems to accelerate to an extreme number when I do any sort of like swimming in a lap pool. I'm just probably not efficient. Um, maybe my body's not made for swimming. I don't know. But yeah, I I love. I mean, walking and yoga slash stretching and I kind of lump yoga and stretching together because I'll often Mm -hmm. like mix them together you know yoga poses and stretches I think those are excellent forms of active rest um but the other thing is if you are just really beaten down or experiencing some of these symptoms that we talked about earlier maybe you do just take a day and and not do anything or even a few days there's also the concept of that I think is important is at some point, just taking a week off, you know, after you've done, if you've done three months of really intense exercise, um, it's often good to take, uh, take a week off and just relax and come back recharge for the next week. So I think that's an important concept as well. Likewise, if you just ran a marathon, it's really good to take a week off. That's actually standard advice. I'm not going to say that I've always followed it, but you should do that. Yeah. Last time you ran a marathon, weren't you out running the next Tuesday? I, or I was. The, yeah, that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. So so there you have it. That's the what we found on rest. Rest is important. Rest can take many forms. And you probably need at least a day of rest every week. Um, and you definitely want to avoid <laughs> overtraining syndrome, which again, that, that, a lot of that research is around elite athletes, but you can have elements of that, um, just as, as, uh, you know, an everyday athlete or a weekend warrior, if you're, if you're pushing things too hard or doing too much. So rest is really important. Take some time Absolutely. to rest your body as you go through your workout plans. Um, so for next week, we're going to talk about best and worst fitness gifts. So again, the plug, you heard it at the beginning of the podcast, right. head out to practically.fit. We've got a discussion thread up. Maybe we'll experiment with this Substack chat as well. 
uh, this week after we post the podcast. So if you have the Substack app, that's another way that you can connect with us on Practically Fit. Uh, but, but, you know, send us your stories, comment on the, on, on the newsletter, on the discussion thread in the chat, or, um, shoot me an email at alex at practically.fit. We have a couple of stories that people have sent us, but we'd love to get some more. Um, even if you want to, if you were really excited and you wanted to send me, um, a voice recording of your story, you know, keep it to a minute, feel free to do that as well. That would be awesome. (laughs) So, uh, again, Alex at practically.fit or head out to practically.fit and subscribe. So we look forward to talking about that next time in the lead up towards the holidays until then fitness is for everybody. 